All right, welcome back to the Brad Foe Show. This is a familiar voice to you. It's Coop. It's Coop doing the introduction. What's going on here? Rob is away. He's doing a little uh, family vacay, family event time. Uh, even the hardest working man in radio, Boston Sports Radio, needs a break from time to time. So I'm covering him. I'm doing a recap of the Daniel Bard episode. Rob did a fantastic job with that interview, doing some Big J journalism stuff, maybe getting a Pulitzer Prize for his for his war against the robots, AI. Uh, some team out there might be using it nefariously, but I don't know. I personally don't think that they're breaking any rules, but maybe I'll jump into that, the ethics of it. Um, also, some great recap about the, the role of the closer and maybe undervaluing in baseball, the closer and the responsibilities of the closer because you can't put all that on paper. And then maybe after that, maybe, maybe, maybe. If I'm not too disappointed by the Red Sox, I'll get into the state of the Sox as they're now 50 games in. Um, it, it's not great. It's not terrible, though. It, it's, it, definitely, it definitely is not where we want it to be, and I think that's commonly felt amongst everyone about their underperformance of what is going on. But I, I don't think they're out yet. I'll talk more about that. But before I get into all of that, I would be remiss. I would be a fool. I would be a nitwit if I did not talk about our good friends, McFarlane. Rob, Rob is typically shouting, McFarlane, 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 McFarlane. That's what you'll hear him say. But I want to give them a little bit more credit. Not that I don't think Rob doesn't give them enough credit. I think he loses his voice every time, and he's putting his entire career on the line when he's talking about McFarlane energy, shouting it. That's his moneymaker, the vocals. But I want to let you know that if I owned a home, I'm a dumb 24-year-old, or maybe if I was renting, I would want to trust McFarlane energy. They've been kicking it in the region forever. Why would I not want to go with them? You know? What other reasons are there? Be cold? I don't want to be cold. You know, be thrown to the wolves and the nature. I've, I'm, I'm a weakling that just pays attention to baseball. I can't withstand, you know, nature and all that it has wanting to try and kill man. You know, that's why, that's why McFarlane, they're keeping us safe. They're keeping society together. So go to McFarlane, you know, because what else are you going to do? Fight off a coyote? I don't think so. I don't think so. So now let's let's get into the Bard stuff. Let's jump into that. Daniel Bard. He uh he he helped uh he helped us start to uh, un uncover something that that we had heard, Rob and I had heard in our travels, um that a certain team and since since Bard did not name a team, I will not name a team. I don't. I don't know the the ethics behind this. I'll let Rob be the one to to say something. Um, they're using something that I think is really cool, and, and I'm I'm gonna get into it before I say my ethics behind it and my thoughts on it, whether it should be allowed in baseball. But um, I mean, facial recognition for pitch tipping right? that's genius. That is just straight up like that's. That mad scientist genius. And for people that might have had a question about that and what that means or what that might look like, basically what you're doing is you're just taking a video just of that pitcher's face before each pitch, before every time he throws a pitch, 
he might be doing something with his face, whether it's a twitch, whether he his eyebrow goes up, or maybe he scrunches his nose, or maybe maybe he licks his hand real quick. That's an easier tell. Uh, and like those other tells where like he's doing a quick twitch, that's not something that you might pick up when you're just from the dugout looking for those pitch tips. And, and the fact that you can compile this database and, you know, you put to it that, you know, he, he twitched here, his nose twitched when he threw a fastball and he, he did a quick sniff. He did two quick sniffs when he threw a curveball. And that might not be something that, that a pitcher picks up on because it's just like so much of baseball is just like you de- you develop a pattern, you develop something that you're doing routinely. And, and oftentimes that routine becomes too apparent. And so when you're throwing a curveball and you do a quick, you know, lick over your gums, but you keep your mouth shut, but a camera can now pick up, you know, when you go left to right, when you're, you're going over your gums and now the batter knows when he can pick up and then he can see you do that. He's just like, Oh, breaking balls coming. I can, I can take, uh, I can take you deep now. Because I know that, you know, you're having this quick twitch. The only question is, is that if it's like facial recognition stuff where, you know, it's tough to see from the dugout, I would imagine it's also tough to see from the plate. So is there something going on where, you know, a camera picks up that this guy did a quick wink of the the left eye and now a, a circle change up is coming and now there's something like Jose Altuve supposedly had where he's getting alerted much like pitch which i i'm always thrown off that not enough people make the connection that pitch is something that really exists and that it's far-fetched that the astros were doing some type of uh sign relay via electronics so just ponder about that for a second um but i mean like this this is just like incredible stuff and it it's not something that's like out of grasp. I mean, you have a camera going at all times when a pitcher is pitching. It's just taking that that data that is out there and making use of it, which is so cool to me. And like, I'm not a big analytics guy, but I love to see the way that people use modern technology with baseball and, and being able to, you know, use AI to to you know teach, you know, give this language to this computer and say, hey, look for. These, this is all the times that a changeup is thrown. Look for a pattern, and that computer is about, you know, it's gonna spit something out for you, and you now have this key to to winning games. That's so cool, you know. It's also scary. It's scary what you know you can do with technology in sports, and you now have to think about like, hey, these these teams that are now building these huge, you know, computer science departments in sports, you know, is, is it going too far? Is it you know, ruining this game that we have in at what point does it go from, you know, they're just taking something that's readily available to, you know, stealing something that's readily available. It, is there a cap on the amount of information that a, a team can have? Are we going to start having like a, a cloud? Imagine that if there was a, a cloud for the MLB where it's just like you have a hard cap on the amount of, you know, data you're allowed to collect. You can only have, you know, it's like your phone. Like you can only have like 250 like gigabytes of data. You can only have like this amount metric of data on your team that you're allowed to collect. And that's what you're able to use. And then if you go, maybe, maybe there's penalties. You go over that hard cap. Now it's like a luxury tax type thing, a luxury tax on your data. 
and you get draft penalties based on that. Oh, well, there's potential here. I wish now Rob needs to get on here and we got to hash this out. But it's interesting stuff that's that's happening and it'll it'll be interesting to see what more comes out from it. If there is that cheating of, you know, a camera set up and the, the computer registers that there's a Twitch and now the batter knows that there's a Twitch, you know, is there something that's going on there? Um, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what comes out of that that NL West market. Uh, we'll see going forward. But now we'll now we'll dive into you know what Bard was talking about with the you know valuing a guy's guy, a baseball's guy's guy. My guy, I missed him. I'm I'm happy. You know, if anyone was tracking anything that he was doing, like if you're that big of a baseball fan or a Red Sox fan at that, and you saw Daniel Bard, you know. Really come up, come up, do well, and then, you know, get the yips. Rob mentioned it at the beginning of his of the interview there, you know. He's never seen someone get the yips that bad. And it's it's sad because you have someone who has so much upside, so much potential, and, you know, was supposed to come in and be that dominant relief pitcher and possibly, a, you know, maybe what Craig Kimbrell was in 2017 and 2018, maybe not 2019 because he tapered off there. But, you know, essentially be that that guy for the Red Sox. And and it didn't work out that way. But what's really cool is you got to see kind of this whole character arc of of Daniel Bard, of the, the baseball player. Of When you watch Moneyball, you know, Chris Pratt's character there, uh, handsome devil he was at that point, chunky Andy from uh, Parks and Rec. But you see someone just reinvent themselves and be able to continue playing this game. I mean, that's, that's awesome. I like, I would not be surprised if Daniel Bard sells the the rights to his life to, you know, Sony pictures or something 20 years from now. So they can tell that story because the fact that he can now call himself, you know, a comeback player of the year, that's, that's baseball, baby. That's baseball. So it was, it was cool hearing him talk about, you know, he didn't fully dive into that because they've talked about it before, but just, you know, what's there and, the, what he's been up to and the, you know, the trajectory that he is on is, is great to hear. And, um, you know, he, it's funny that when Rob asks them and Rob loves to ask guys, these questions about, you know, analytics can't, you can't measure heart. You can't measure heart as the saying goes, but, um, you, you can certainly like look at, you know, high pressure situations. If you, you can look at the way that pitchers pitch when, you know, maybe it's a one run leader, they're down by one and, how they do in that situation, but it's certainly like you can't factor in, you know, the pressure of being in, you know, a big, a big market like New York or Boston or LA or Chicago, you know, Cubs, Cubs have that, that too. Aroldis Chapman faced huge pressure in uh, Chicago and he never lived up to it. And guess what? He's still not living up to it in New York. Uh, but you know, I, I take no pleasure in that. Absolutely no pleasure in that. But then you do see guys like Papelbon. I mean, he, he was nails nails in those situations and he lived for those you know opportunities and and daniel bard kind of talks about that and and, and, you know being in that role as he says it being put on that pedestal and when you start to build up that pedestal you know you start getting a little vertigo maybe you look down you see how high you're you're up there and you know you have to perform every time every time out and the reality of baseball as bard said is you're not going to deliver every time and and Maybe that's maybe that's the value of being a pitcher and being kind of insane. Joe Kelly talks about it. He he mentioned to us, he's like, Oh, oh, I didn't pitch well. Oh well. Boo hoo. I, I still get to go home and you know, you they see their families, they they get to have a normal life after that. 
It's just like us showing up to job a job, and you know, like I didn't send didn't didn't send uh didn't send that email in time. I mean, that's the equivalent of what they're doing. It's just so much more stakes, and it's so much more interesting than than us, you know, pressing send on an email. Uh, and that's why that's what makes professional sports so cool, so awesome. We gravitate to it. Um, and, and you know, going getting back to to what he was talking about and being in that role, and it's just like, how do you value those guys? And is it a gut feeling when they pay those guys? Obviously not. Any any businessman, John Henry didn't make his stones off of just you know spending money based on his gut. We'd like to think so. I know as a meatball fan, I'd just be like, oh, oh, oh pay Kimbrel all the money, you know. You know, he he does some cool things from time to time. Maybe not in 2019 when I saw him blow all of those games, but you know, you you see Matt Barnes. He he comes out hot last year, and, and he has the numbers, and you pay him this money, but he doesn't doesn't do well. So maybe the numbers don't work out, and maybe you do have to rely on that guy. There is no there is no telling. Maybe the maybe the moral of the story is don't pay guys in the middle of the season when they're doing hot. That's a scary thought, huh? I bet you thought about that because there's two guys right now on the Red Sox that are in that situation. So it's tough to measure measure these guys and what they're able to do at different points because baseball is such a long season and there's ups. And guys certainly have their ups. Trevor Story's been having his ups, but you know what? At the beginning of the season, we were comparing him to the Carl Crawford contract. So you can only imagine the pressure that you know, a relief guy must feel with fewer opportunities to really prove their stones and get those contracts and really show that, you know, they're, they're a baseball's guy's guy. They can come into that situation and be nails. And uh, what Bard has become is that baseball guy's guy. He was very sheepish in saying that, you know, he is one of those guys, but he likes to have that mentality of being a, a go-to guy in that, the high leverage situations. But, you know, he, I would, I would put him in that category of being a baseball's guy's guy. Put him in, put him in. And you know that, you know, he's going to rally up the troops. He's going to give you, you know, some dominant pitching performances when he goes out there late in the game. And then, you know what? It's going to fire up the guys on the offensive side of the ball. And, you know, that's how you squeak out wins. That's what the 2021 Red Sox were built on. And it's sad because that team is still there. Those names are still there. Three of the bats are still there. And most likely they're going to be all-stars come July. The, the, the sad part is, it's just like there's no support. You've got a home with no foundation. You know, you have these, you have these facades. You have this great interior. You have this great lawn. It's all a great appearance. That's JD Xander endeavors, but there's no foundation. You know, you put up all this nice stuff, but you you can't you can't complete it. It can't stand. You know, you lose at the end of the game. That's probably the most frustrating thing about this 2022 Red Sox. They're they're 50 games in now, and there's not too much to prove. They're they're still a few games below 500. They're double digits back from the New York Yankees, your rivals, and you just can't seem to pull it together against the Orioles. The Orioles, come on, that's a team where you should be making ground, and then you go into the Reds and you split with the Reds. Come on, you're better than that. This whole team is better than that. They proved that over the last 20 games. They went 13-7. and seven. That's going back to that first game against the Rangers down in Texas that really kicked off this whole hot streak that they had. And then 
like what happens? You you go into the Orioles series and you you drop that many games, and then you drop a game to the Reds. Come on, now we got a road trip. We really got to fight. And I and listen, I understand that guys were tired. You had a you had a Friday game go right into a doubleheader after being in Chicago and traveling. That's not fun. I me and Rob were in Chicago and I'm drained and I'm just sitting here speaking into a mic. I can't imagine being a pitcher, you know, what that, what you have to go through, get your arm ready and then get your body ready for the next day. Meanwhile, you're on a flight, just getting like packed in there as someone tall and lanky. I mean, I don't understand that. I'm a short king, but it's tough. It's a brutal look. And I want to be behind this team, you know, back in, back at the beginning of May, people were freaking out. They dropped those games to the angels in really dramatic fashion, it was ugly. You almost get no hit by Shohei Otani, which, you know, you say no hit and that's always worrying, but you're also getting no, or one hit, whatever he threw. It was, I, I was very fortunate to be there because it was an incredible game, but it's, it's a pathetic performance. And, and then to be able to turn around and you show this hot, this, this hot streak really, because now they're, they're fizzling back out, but, I mean, you go back to the beginning of May and the last 25 games, they go 14 and 11. That's above 500. It just doesn't feel that way, though. It, it, they're still feeling like that April Red Sox, and it's just disgusting. And, and it's not that I don't want to rally behind this team because you know I want to see them go to the... I think they can be a wildcard team. I don't think they're winning the division. The Yankees are scary right now. But even if they get to the wildcard, I'm not putting too much money on them. Would you? It, until they really, you know, you got Paxton and Sale coming back, but Sale, Sale's not 2019, 2018 Sale. At least he hasn't been. I would love to see him turn around, come back from that Tommy John and, you know, really dominate the way he can. Have those, have those multi-number strikeout games. Those were fun, huh? 2019, when he was just striking out 13 guys a start. Where did that go? That was a fun time that I hope returns. And, you know, if it does, if it does, maybe the Red Sox become buyers at the trade deadline. Maybe you see them move some of the guys down in Worcester that we keep speaking of that are behemoths. Uh, but apparently there's no room for them up here. I mean, there really isn't. We're paying paying guys a pretty penny to perform. And it'd be a waste. And maybe you can't move them because a lot of them, they don't have that option. So... Maybe it is time to move some of those guys that we've become familiar with at the AAA level that, you know, they maybe they matured too soon. They're they're not going to be part of whatever Heim Bloom's building. They matured way before they, we needed them, and that's what can help build a, a World Series team this year. But that's also dependent on, like I said, Chris Sale coming back and being healthy, James Pax coming out and, and really helping out that pitching staff. And if they don't perform and if they don't give you what you need, Maybe it's time to sell off those guys. Maybe it's time to start working on that farm and, you know, planting seeds, planting seeds for that future of what Heim's doing. Because, you know, whether whether you're upset that Mookie's gone, whether you're upset that, you know, Xander might be gone, whether you're upset that Devers might be gone, you got to swallow it because we're not the ones with the checks. We're not the ones making the decisions. We have to live with the decisions. And, you have to really start rationalizing what that's going to mean and, you know, think about what the best case scenario is going to be. Whether that's 
what you want or not. Because I can tell you right now, I would love to see Raphael Devers be a Red Sox for life. I would love to see Xander Bogarts be a Red Sox for life. I think Xander has deserved that. But I also know that this same ownership group, this same baseball ops group, they sold off Mookie Betts. Your AL MVP Mookie Betts. Your World Series champion Mookie Betts. And you're likely NL MVP champion, Mookie Betts. It's just, he's that player that you wanted to see here, that you you matured on your own. But we couldn't keep him because, you know, things we did for that 2018 World Series. So that's something that you have to live with. These are the consequences of your actions. That's just the way things work. And now your 2022 Red Sox, your 24 and 27, three games under... 511 games back behind the New York Yankees, Boston Red Sox. They live with those consequences and it it's showing. It's showing it's you know the risk that you take when you make those actions and nothing was promised for these middle years. That's what that's what you had to go into with that Mookie trade. You shouldn't have expected really anything out of this, you know, baseball ops department until 2024 and i wasn't expecting that and you know what once it comes 2024 we're going to be we're time traveling right now if if i'm in the year 2024 and and coop is is still miserable about like the red Sox being awful and that mookie betts has now won three more mvps yeah you know i i'm going to be calling out heim bloom but right now like you can't judge too much on what he's doing and and even right now, even when the Red Sox being kind of miserable the way they are, like I said, 24 and 27 at the the 51 game mark, pseudo 50 game mark, it, it's not what you want. You want this team to be performing. It, it, you know what? Look at May now. You have to look at May. So it, since May 6th, that's at the White Sox uh, series we're going to, that's going to be the 25 game mark, 14 and 11. Like I said, where with three games above 500 when you look at the last 25 games. You know, you go back even more. We're 13 and 7 when we go back to that Rangers series when we started to go on that winning streak. So it's things are looking up. I'm not jumping boat. I don't know anyone that would want to jump boat because you know this team isn't done yet. They you know, they're not in the basement. They're in the basement of the AL East, which is arguably the best division in baseball right now. Maybe, maybe rivaled by the NL East, but there's no reason to freak out. They're, they're still in it. There's still potential for Heim to actually do something when this team can prove that they are willing to make a push come playoffs. That's it's also on the guys. The guys have to step up, especially that pitching. You know, it's not like in the mid, middle of the season you can start making all these like insane, insane moves to derail what you did with that Mookie Betts trade. You know, stick to one plan, stick to one plan. And if, if something comes about like last year, you make that one little move, you pick up Kyle Schwerber, you pick up that bat that can be a spark plug for you, your, your team. You know, what's that spark plug going to be this year? Most likely some arm in the bullpen. But the question is, is, you know, who, what's that arm going to be? Is it going to come from within the organization? Is it going to come from out of the organization? My bet would be outside the organization. You know, we, we got the test with Winkowski last week. And it wasn't pretty. It also wasn't ugly. It's what you expect out of a young guy making his first start. I I wish it was more than three innings, but you, know, you get you get what you get. 
So it'll be interesting what the, the next 50 games, 49 games, if we want to go to the 100 mark and make it even, uh, will look like for the Red Sox. You know, we're going to be a couple months ahead. We're going to be much closer to that trade deadline by that point. And, you know, maybe they'll do something. Maybe Heim will work his magic again. Maybe he'll get that that Kyle Schwarber that we need to make a playoff push and be threatening and, you know, really keep the league on notice of what the Red Sox can do. Who knows? Who knows? But in the meantime, we'll catch you next week on another episode or maybe maybe another time. You know, Rob Rob's always got something up his sleeve. But for now, thanks for listening. Rob will be back next time. This was fun doing it on my own. I got to, to spout, spout off a little bit, so uh, I'll catch you later.